Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm for people who party like Tyrion and slay like Daenerys, brought to you by Grand X Media. I am your host, Ross Boland, here at the Grand X Media studio in Austin, Texas, with my co-host, Barrett Dudley. Shalom. 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 Yeah. What does shalom, does shalom mean? What does shalom Hello? mean? Hello, I think. Hello. Yeah. Micah, you're half Jewish. Sure. <laughs> Thanks for the help. <laughs> yeah, shalom works. Okay, cool. Uh... Yeah, this is the Night's Rewatch. We're doing a podcast for every episode of Game of Thrones, starting back with Season 1, Episode 1, leading all the way up to the final season of our favorite show, which, as we now know, airs in April of 2019, so that we can all be as prepared as possible. Take the black and join us. Tell your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors, anybody that you know that loves Game of Thrones. Tell them about OCC, about Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, about the Night's Rewatch, and even if they're not down, committed enough strong enough or smart enough or good looking enough to be a part of the night's rewatch and and go through all these episodes with us to be you know uh, as prepared as possible for season eight at least they can be be around for season eight after every episode of season eight we're obviously going to be dropping a podcast that monday and probably that thursday as well so tell your friends family co-workers neighbors anybody anybody that you uh that you know that loves game of thrones tell that, them about occ that's true it might be too late for the rewatch unless you're just gonna go ham in these next few months it's possible it's doable oh it's very in which case you would like to have a companion podcast for at least some of those those big episodes yeah and uh we help and then um yeah season eight really gonna be slamming slamming huh pedal to the metal you know what i mean okay speaking of slamming this episode of the night's rewatch is brought to you by quip (laughs) <laughs> There's a buzzy gift on everyone's list this year. It's something they'll use twice a day. It was featured on Oprah's O list, and it's perfect for everyone with a mouth, which is most people, turns out. This it gift is Quip, an electric toothbrush designed to make brushing better. Speaking of the holidays, Quip makes holiday travel clean and easy. they got a multi-use cover that mounts to mirrors and unmounts to slide over the bristles for on-the-go brushing. Quip does not require a clunky charger. It runs for three freaking months on one charge. It's a very long time. And it's the gift that keeps on giving, with new brush heads automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. You can even gift prepaid refills for a year to make sure that whoever you're giving to is never using old, worn-out, or ineffective bristles, which would be huge if someone would please get me uh, that deal because my bristles on every toothbrush I've ever had, inevitably, I use them for too long. It's my favorite thing about Quip. You can get these refills delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule for just five bucks every three months. Not just any schedule. Not just a a random schedule picked out of the hat by a nobody right a dentist recommended schedule yeah not grocery bagger recommended schedule yeah yeah or ice cream parlor recommend dentist dentist recommended don't be an anti-dentite <laughs> get quip it's an incredible toothbrush and uh the, the, it, 
again, you never end up using your bristles too long. They don't get all worn down. You'll be a fresh bristle boy all the damn time when you've got Quip and your prepaid refills coming your way. I'm not alone in my love for Quip. They have over 5,000 verified five-star reviews. Quip looks like a big-ticket tech gift with a stocking stuffer price starting at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash dragon right now, you get your first refill pack for free. Free 99 with a Quip electric toothbrush. But you don't have to tell your giftee that. That's just a secret between us, between friends. Yeah? Get your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash dragon. Dragon. Our hotline number is 86643clams. Uh, shitload of you called in this week and we love and appreciate that but rather than get into any of those I'll be honest with you none of them were entirely uh, something that I was like oh shit we have to play and talk about this we got a long episode we're going to focus on breaking it down and then maybe when we're done with season 7 perhaps we will come back and do a hotline call only episode I'm not saying I won't play any hotline calls on the next two episodes either I'm just saying on this particular one uh, Clam Fam came up a little short. That's all. Did were there Clam Fam corrections? Usually, when I feel like when we get a lot of calls, it's because we it's because we fudged something up. No, it was mostly questions okay. this week. Okay. Um, there were a couple corrections, neither of which were important enough for me to remember and put in my brain. Wow, shots fired it, by me. Yeah, yeah, to the Clam Fam. We can't not <laughs> make mistakes. We're humans. Give me a break, Clam Fam correction of a correction ended up happening too many times and I stopped caring too much no no I'm just saying you're 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 saying that the you don't even remember what the clam fam's calls were about like, oh that's not yeah. that's not their fault okay that's my fault mm. yeah some news true detective season three trailer is out and I watched about 10 seconds of it and uh, it looked pretty dope that's it that's the news oh okay did you watch any of it you seen this I've only seen this? the teaser trailer seen this heard about this no I haven't seen a new trailer I don't know about a new trailer Oh, I assumed it was new. I saw it this morning we're on the internet. Oh, like as yeah. you were like catching up on Game of Thrones or something? No, as I was like going through Twitter. Okay, okay. Uh, there could be a new one out because it is it is imminent. There is a new one out. Yeah, as of three days ago, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I have not watched that, but I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to that. So I watched like ten seconds of it, like I said, and it was just enough for me to go, "Oh, maybe they're back." Yeah, yeah. Like it looked it looked fucked up enough uh, to get my attention the thing with the last with season two was mm -hmm. i'm still not sure what the crime was we were even trying to solve <laughs> the, the, like you know what i mean the whole season one somebody was having sex parties okay that yeah, was that's there was corruption knew. going on high in, the, in the government sex. yeah high, which was involving a lot of high-powered sex yeah, uh, yeah prostitutes and, and orgy parties sex slavery and, possibly yeah, yeah. sex trade yeah anyway the first one like i knew what we were trying to f to solve we right, saw the body right. we knew there was a serial killer yes. some kind of cult situation going on we knew we knew what we were looking for and the second one it just didn't really feel like i ever knew what we were chasing uh this is very much like they're trying to solve a specific thing okay uh, based on the 10 seconds of trailer that i saw so i'm excited they they brought in a guy to help nick pizzolato on some of this stuff this this time around was it his sponsor to get him to stop doing coke <laughs> no no they were probably just doing coke together for but the record i have no idea if he does cocaine the guy's name is uh david milch and i l let me let me search this real quick yeah, david I'm, milch okay yeah so he created nypd blue oh and then was instrumental on uh i believe deadwood he wrote and, the book and maybe books. i want to say the wire or the sopranos whoa nick pizzolato helped write the deadwood movie 
Yeah, okay. That's okay. why David Milch helped write True Detective Season 3. They okay. traded. Okay, okay, there you go. So, yeah, NYPD Blue, L.A. Law, and uh, and Deadwood. So he's and poor. He's, he needs money? Is that what we're going to do is donate to this guy? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I'm, I'm just, just joking. If yeah, he, yeah. NYPD, he's probably worth millions and millions of dollars okay but so he's but so he's like a well well known uh good screenwriter especially when it comes to cop drama yes so there we're hopeful that they didn't because like nick pizzolato just seems like a guy with like a ton of great ideas but if you just let him do his thing right it's 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 a catastrophe he needs raining he in. needs raining in and on the first season he had carrie fukunaga who directed the whole thing see who's a genius people don't realize that and yeah, and this time he had he had like David Milch babysitting him apparently. Yeah. Good, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I just googled David Milch net worth. The first thing that popped up is a story in the Hollywood Reporter that says how the one hundred million dollar NYPD Blue creator gambled away his fortune. <laughs> so you were right. He does need money. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, he's like being sued. He apparently he got into IRS trouble. Seventeen yeah. million. He was on a forty dollar a week allowance. Oh my god! By okay. the IRS. And uh, he was addicted to horse racing. <laughs> so the joke I made is less funny because it's real. Oh, Send oh, that guy money. Sp- and speaking of horse racing, he was also involved with the uh, short-lived HBO series Luck, e. which got canceled because they like killed like a million horses. I think. Oh, oh, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, sir. Anyway, let's get into the grand. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. The uh, actual reason we're here. Season 7, Episode 5, Eastwatch, written by Dave Hill, directed by Matt Shackman. Here's the description. Dave Hill, that's not a name that I recognize. No, it's just yeah. random. Yeah. There's like a okay. couple of random... Uh, if your name is really bland in the yeah, Game of uh-huh. Thrones world, you stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Like Dave, Dave Hill. Hill. Yeah. So, I don't know. He's done a couple, though. Davey boy. Okay. Daenerys offers a choice. Arya grows suspicious. Tyrion answers a good question. Man, just another great, riveting description <laughs> there. So we pick up right where we left off at the end of the last episode, basically anyway. Bronn is dragging Jamie from the water. Remember, at the end of the last episode, uh, Jamie's dumbass ran, drove full speed on a, a horse right at Danny and Drogon. Drogon was about to flame Jamie off the face of the earth uh, when Bronn tackled him off his horse into a body of water. I'm not clear on the body of water. Um, if it's a river or a lake, I, I, I don't really know. You could have killed me, Jamie says, panting on the bank of this river or shore of the lake or whatever the fuck this thing is. And uh, Bronn's like, are you serious, dude? You're riding full speed at a massive dragon. What is wrong with you? He says, the fuck were you doing back there? You saw the dragon between you and her, and... And Jamie doesn't really have an answer, and Bronn says, Listen to me, cunt. Till I get what I'm owed, a dragon doesn't get to kill you. You don't get to kill you. Only I get to kill you. Uh, I remember this. I think I remember this correctly, Barrett, that you and I, during our first watch, during our first recording of a podcast about this particular episode a couple years back or whenever the fuck, last year, two years ago, I remember, I think, that we were upset with the cop-out of Bronn saving Jamie, dragging him out of the water. Suddenly the battle's moved on. They're completely safe and out of distance from harm's way. Uh, it just seemed like an unnecessary cliffhanger to have him sinking toward the bottom of a seemingly 40-foot deep body yeah, of water. Yeah, our issue was that he gets tackled right off of the bank. And then just sinks like a stone. Sinks like a stone. Out of full, view, even. Full of his armor and yeah. gold hand and whatever else he's got on that on his on his person right and he would be like no more than 10 or 15 feet 
away from Daenerys and the dragon. I mean, max. So all they would have to do is just sit there and wait for these two to nincompoops to pop up again. And then fry their and asses. Fry, and fry their asses. And yet somehow they end up on like the opposite side of the bank of the river. Right. And are fine. And Braun has dragged, you know, nominally 250 pounds from the bottom of the At least, river up, I would to, say. up to the to the you know to the shore and save them both and right good job ron yeah it, it did not because we'd already been through this once didn't piss me off either. didn't piss me off it didn't piss me off what really kind of like did it last time was how it felt like such a cliffhanger yeah and it seemed like such a big moment and then it wasn't and then it all. wasn't at all that's what i don't uh, like about it honestly it's not even the it's not how far they flew it's not how they got out of there it's not the water at all it's not braun saving jamie it's the fact that they made us think "Ooh, cool cliffhanger yeah and yeah. then and then it wasn't at all that's yeah, not yeah. fair or good television really so that pissed me off yeah. but yeah but so yeah so what i'm thinking happened is that braun like he do, he tackled him. He's rolling down, and he he swims down. He swims down, and Jamie's just sitting sitting there sinking. He's playing the and tea Braun game. Like, where you pretend to be sitting. And Braun at a table. like slaps him a little bit underwater, and he's like, "Oh, okay, okay." And then they have to, and then they breaststroke uh. underwater breaststroke to the other side. They're both very good swimmers, and they get to, they that's that's how they did it. Wow. Yeah. Riveting stuff. <laughs> so Jamie's still totally freaked out, uh, obviously, because he just saw a dragon fry most of his men. And he says, that was only one of them. She has two more. He can add maths, which is good. Uh, he acknowledges, Jamie does, that if she decides to use those dragons, and I mean really use them, that they are all fucked, as Braun puts it. Um, because if, yeah, if the dragons come down and they start blowing fire all over the place in King's Landing, it's going to be trouble. Braun says he's not sticking around for that. He's not sticking around to see what the dragons do to King's Landing. He doesn't want to be part of that shit. So, okay. Here, here's my big question, and I think this is my, I, I think number one storyline going into season eight has to be, what's Jamie going to do? Right. Because although he is kind of slowly figuring out, like, what's happening with Cersei, like, how bad of a person she is. Sure. I, like, one of my notes at the end of last episode was, can he watch Daenerys and her dragon torch 2,000 men? And like be okay with that and like reconcile that basically like, oh, hey, remember that time that you just like burned alive a shit ton of my men? Yeah. And that was that was kind of shitty. It's the one thing that You'd, makes it hard to see him just walking into Danny's yeah, camp in that, season eight and being like, right. and I'm here to help. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and this right now in this season, I'm like thinking about that. And I know that the season kind of leaves us thinking that that's going to happen. Right. I think it's going to be more complicated. I think that. that's a very good uh, piece of insight because I hadn't really thought about it that way. And it, it this, I mean, the the thing of season seven for Jamie is being driven from his sister. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be driven toward Danny. Yeah, especially yeah. considering, I mean, Jamie is traumatized mm -hmm. by what happened at the. Uh, yeah, when he's, uh, but before he rushes thing. at Daenerys, he's like sitting there and he's just, I mean, you know, he's shell-shocked oh, fr from watching, yeah. watching what's happening. And it's its terrible for, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, he would have severe PTSD. Right. You, you, so, you, uh, yeah, yeah. you can't just watch dragons kill people and be fine. So now nah, he's fucked up. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Like, we've always had something we're watching, right? We've got our Arya kill count. We spent uh, an entire season trying to figure out why Shay would inevitably turn on Ty or Tyrion. 
I think the thing, one of the most important things at least, to watch this season for the remainder of these three episodes we've got to talk about here, including today, is Jamie. And how and what we think about the things that he uh, goes through here with Cersei, and that's very good insight from you there, because she she gives him nothing in this episode, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, so anyway, Bronn does declare that he will not be sticking around if Danny attacks King's Landing; that he's not going to be there for that shit. Next thing we see is Tyrion walking through the rubble and the destruction left behind by Drogon. Uh, the Dothraki are searching bodies for valuables and, and marching the captive Lannister and Tarly soldiers off somewhere. We quickly, we quickly find out where they're being marched off to uh, to be dealt with by Danny. So we got Drogon sitting on a big-ass stack of boulders. We got Danny in front of the boulders addressing all the POWs. She tells them essentially, look, I know what Cersei has told you about me. That is all lies. Cersei is a liar. Those are all, those, that's her, not me. Uh, Danny explains all she wants to do is destroy the wheel that has, quote, rolled over the rich and poor to the benefit of no one but the Cersei Lannisters of the world, end quote. And then she tells these dudes to bend the knee and join her, join, join her or refuse and die. So again, we are to the ultimatum of knee bending. So just off her saying that, roughly a third of the crowd hits their knees. Then Drogon lets out a terrifying roar and another third or so hits their knees. But Randall and Dickon Tarly remain standing along with several other equally stupid men. So Danny calls Randall forward. He asks him if he'll kneel and the guy's like, I already have a queen. Tyrion logically tears that dumbass statement apart uh, because Cersei, his queen, murdered his old queen and wiped her family from the face of the earth. So as Tyrion puts it, it appears your allegiances are somewhat flexible. Which is a great point. It's a fantastic point. And uh, Randall then goes with the Cersei was born in Westeros and lived here all her life argument and tears into Tyrion for murdering his own father and, quote, supporting a foreign invader, one with no ties to this land. Hey, dude, her family actually ruled this land for a long, long time. So long so that it was considered a dynasty. I'm fairly certain that qualifies as a tie. And also, also, she was born here. Okay. So oh, we've got, she was born. So we do. We've got another. Tie. He's a. He's a. You know. He's a birther. He's. He's leading the the birther. Uh, show us your passport. Uh, yeah. Show, yeah. Let's see your birth certificate, Daenerys. Not passport. <laughs> show us your passport too. We do want to see that. As we well. want to see the passport. I'm sure, it's too. got good yeah. stamps in it. Yeah. Yeah. Randall's uh, racist. That's that's it. Yeah, and it also it the the line. He honestly, he might be more turned off by the fact that she's got Tyrion there as her hand because T the Tyrion killing his dad seems to maybe be like the biggest front to his sensibilities that you could possibly do. He seems like he's not cool with patricide. That's like his number one thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like no blacks, no Hispanics, but really no patricide. But really don't kill your dad because your sons should be just, you know... Dads are kings. Dads, dads are, ki are godlike to this yes, dude. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. He treats exactly. Sam that way. Like same thing with you know. You get the feeling Randall kind of has the right, same upbringing. Right. Just in a, you know, Randall's attractive and athletic, and Sam is fat and not. So, dad treated him differently. Anyway, yeah, the guy's just he's an ass. Tyrion suggests, however, in spite of Randall being an ass, that perhaps this old racist fuck can just go take the black. And Randall's like, "You can't send me to the wall. You aren't my queen." Tyrion's like, "God damn it, dude." So some Dothraki come forward, they grab the old moron, and they bring him up to Danny. Then Dickon steps up, and he says, You will have to kill me too. I am Dickon Tarly, <laughs> son of Randall Tarly. And Tyrion tries to reason with this moron. He says, You are the future of your house. This war has already wiped one great house from the world. Don't let it happen again. Bend the knee. 
And uh, first of all, I'd like to say correction. Samuel Tarley is the future of that mm. house. And uh, Dick on like his dad is not a smart man. I also just liked when Tyrion was like, bend the knee. Bend the knee. He said it's like very, he's already used to saying it to uh -huh. so many people. Bend yeah. the knee. Bend the knee. Bend the knee. Yeah, the way he says it was great. It's like a different, yeah, I don't know. It was just, yeah. Uh, it's insistent. He's insisting. Like, come on, dude. Are you fucking serious? Are you yeah, he's stupid? He says like a whole sentence just with that bend one. Bend the knee. Bend the knee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did an audible gasp when Dickon is like, you'll have to kill me too. Because it's just so dumb what his, a dumb his, move his character sucked it really did just it, like why you're just you're that's it was just it suicide suicide by honor i guess i don't know that's what it was he could have no, just it didn't make any sense that would never happen in the way these things work generationally if your dad is like randall you don't grow even if you're an athlete even if you're an athlete with a square fucking jawline you don't grow up liking your dad yeah that's yeah. not how fatherhood I, works no. with your son if you're an asshole right he yeah. would hate his fuckhead dad. I yeah. I the thing it's it sucks. It's sad to see Dick on go, but also at no point was his character worth even a shred of our time. Uh really, he wasn't. I mean, we got introduced to this character, the first iteration of him, and we were like, Oh shit, Sam has a brother. Yeah, and he then, was pretty two D. And then nothing really happened with it, and then new Dick on, we were like, Okay, we see what they do. I mean, they clearly mm -hmm. cast just the opposite of Sam. Yeah, they sexed him up a little bit. And then he never really had yeah. anything to do with anything, and now he's getting fried. So yeah. eh, R.I.P. Dick on. Okay. We've got Dick on shirts if you want one. <laughs> There's like six people out there wearing them. Uh so Tyrion recommends then, he's like, All right, all right, listen, throw these morons into a dark cell. They'll think things over for a little while. It'll probably change their mind. Danny is like, nope, that sets a dangerous precedent. If imprisonment is an option, many more men will take it. Uh, so she uh, has Drogon flame these two into oblivion. And my problem with this scene is this. They paint in the season. They paint this whole scene up to be such a horrible injustice. And Tyrion is all freaking out about Danny doing this like, oh my God, we can't just be lighting everyone on fire. This isn't the way it works. Uh, yes, it is. It, the guys are dead in two seconds. Neither one of them felt a goddamn thing. Dragon fire is hotter than hell. They're, they're done. It's like being shot in the head. This mm. is not some torturous death. Uh, every single other man present takes a knee as a result. So the standard is now set. No one else is going to step forward and be like, set me on fire, your grace. <laughs> and she really didn't have a choice. She did not. No. I don't like the attempt at painting Danny in this negative light all season long. There I, are moments when it worked and they don't, and this is one where it didn't, and they continue down this road for the remainder of the episode, yes. and it fucking pisses me off. Totally up. agree. Totally 100% agree. They act like she didn't is, do anything wrong here. Yeah. That, this is, in this style of warfare and, uh, you know, monarchy, right. I guess, like, you still have to play this way. There is no, there is no democracy yet. She can't seek election. You know well, what I mean? There are no like, rules of are, war, right? Really, it's a fucking madhouse. And if There's, she lets, and honestly, if she lets this Dickon guy live, then we, we've talked about this type of thing before. Then he's probably going to be pissed off and like start yeah. try to start the revolution. He, he can't and, do it and attempt get to attempt to get vengeance for his dad. Twenty years down the line, Dickon's killing Danny's son or something. Yeah, it's like, so oh, it's fuck. just no, you kind of do, and it's like. I mean, fuck these guys, dude. Yeah. Fuck these guys. If I have a dragon and two morons refuse to bend the knee, right. I don't know anything about either of them. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. You're you're done. You're gone. That's, yeah. that's what and, I'm doing and, here. And now, like, did she, you know, you could, you could say, did she really give these guys a choice? 
uh, no, not really. You can either bend the knee like a smart person, or you can die in Dragonfire like a like a moron. Uh, and you know, but this is, you got to start somewhere. Ah, these but he guys, kept his honor. These guys, these guys bend the knee now. And then later down the line, she can show them that she's like a good, actually a good ruler. Wouldn't like the, even if let's say that Randall just, he really can't get past the brown people in her army. <laughs> why not just lie? Yeah. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Just fucking lie. Right. Bend the knee and then try to kill her later. Ex yeah. Anything but this. Yeah. Yeah. You, you dumb, dumb yeah. fuck. But uh, no, I totally agree. the 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 hand wringing from Tyrion, Tyrion and, mostly. and Varys is is and silly. It's, it's an here's it, it. God, the the when you start to look at why these things bug you, they really bug you. Like they bug me because okay, I understand what they're doing, and they're using this as a plot device for us to question Danny's power. What's going to happen? They want the audience worried about her, the power she's wielding, her dragons. They want you questioning, oh my god, what's going to happen with her in season eight? All these things. But in order to do that, they effectively make one of your favorite characters into a moron, uh, Tyrion. They're making Tyrion act in a way that I don't believe Tyrion would act for the purposes only of the storyline. Mm -hmm. So that they can get to another point. Yeah. And that's when it starts to bug me. And I'm like, Tyrion wouldn't act like this. This doesn't make sense. Blah, blah, blah. We'll move on. But that whole thing, this, all of this shit, to me, all of the negative in season seven for Danny, that this piss poor false negative light they try to shine on her... That's all for the purposes of then being able to elevate her all the way up in season eight yeah. with full-on hero mode mm. where she's the one that ends up on the throne or potentially sacrifices herself so that John can end up on the throne for some reason. Sure. Once and for all, settling the debate that she did indeed want to break the wheel more than she wanted to seize power or her birthright or flame anyone. Yeah. Yep. Follow? Cool. Next, we're in King's Savvy. Landing. Savvy. Yes. It's a great word. <laughs> Uh, in King's Landing, Jamie storms into Cersei's chambers, uh, ignoring Kyburn as he tries to say hello along the way. And Cersei's first question is, how many men did we lose? Jamie's like, we haven't done a full accounting. He cannot do math after all. <laughs> and Cersei then puts a surprisingly positive spin on everything. You expect him to come in and her to just rip his fucking head off, right? You're like, oh, well, he's in trouble. He just lost to that entire... They got the golden, sure, but everything else is gone. She's just like oddly not angry which is, she says, we have the Tyrell Gold, we have the Iron Bank behind us, we can just buy mercenaries. We don't need all those guys that just died, screw it. Which is just not the angle you expected her to have. Speaking of the Iron Bank and getting the most out of your money, a quick word from our sponsor, Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services for everyone not just the wealthy, and they provide you with a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers like myself to invest for the first time with true confidence. The app is very, very easy to use. Super simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. One of the uh, things that's always been an issue for me is I'm, I'm intimidated by the process of investing because I don't feel like I have the time or the knowledge to... Uh, research, what I need to research to be able to make smart decisions. And the great thing about Robinhood is they provide you with all of this information uh, right up front. Easy to understand charts and market data, so you're not having to do the research on your own, and you can place a trade in just four taps of your smartphone. Also, other brokerages are going to charge you a fee, like up to $10 for every single trade you place. That is bullshit. Robinhood does not charge commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. And if you don't know where to get started, ClamFam, Robinhood is giving you a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint, 
to get your portfolio up off the ground and running. Sign up at oysters.robinhood.com today. That's oysters.robinhood.com. So continuing with Jamie and Cersei's conversation, he says the Dothraki are going to kill any mercenaries they hire. After seeing one uh, fight with the Dothraki in open combat, Jamie is like, no, no. You know, nobody's beating these guys on foot That's or on horse. That's not happening. Uh, he said it's that they ba- were... Yeah, he basically just like... He watched... Uh... He watched the prime Golden State Warriors, just yes. prime. Well, he was like, like, oh. He's like, okay, this is this is over. We can just cancel the season. This is pointless. <laughs> we are all playing for second place. And uh, yeah, he, he said any army he's ever seen that they would wipe it out, that the Dothraki would take that army out. Uh, the killing for them, this isn't war, that it's a sport. Uh, he says Danny's dragons burnt a thousand wagons. There were a thousand wagons out there. A lot of wagons. I saw a lot like of wagons. pins. Yeah, yeah. A, th- a thousand wagons. <laughs> Filled with food and shit. Gone. Uh, he also points out that Kyburn's scorpion didn't actually stop Drogon. Yeah. Which wasted 20 minutes of our lives. All that build up and that, that big that scorpion did uh, just about uh, nothing. It, it's Did, like diddly squat. Same amount of anger as when I stubbed my toe. <laughs> that was the amount of pain that he went through there. Uh, oh, and she has two more dragons. Again, That's people keep bringing that up here. Yes. Yeah. And Cersei jokes that maybe Tyrion will intercede on their behalf to make up for murdering their father and son. Uh, and then that's when Jamie drops the bombshell on Cersei that Olena, Tyrell, actually murdered their son Joffrey. That she confessed to this before she died. And Cersei's like, oh yeah? And was that before or after she drank the poison you so kindly provided her? And he's like, it was after. So she tries to paint it off as a lie. Uh, but Jamie is not having that shit. He unwraps it to sh- to prove to Cersei that Olena was telling the truth. Thank fucking God. Because for a second, you're like, oh, no, oh, no. He's going <laughs> to let her get away with te- like talking herself into right, this. Right, that Olena was not telling the truth. Yeah. Yes, which would, which is just more painful to watch. So fortunately, Jamie does sta- step in and, and I think convince Cersei. Yeah, yeah, stands his ground and it's like, yeah. Yeah, gives, gives the reasoning why like, she had no reason to lie. So Cersei takes a seat. And she's furious. She's very angry uh, with Jamie, especially not not for again not for what happened during the loot train massacre. She's angry because of Olena. She says she should have died screaming. You'll remember Jamie's the one who talked Cersei out of all the torturous ways to kill Olena, and instead provided her with that poison. So this conversation between Jamie and Cersei ends with Cersei saying, "So we fight and die, or submit and die. I know my choice. A soldier should know his." Jamie is still attempting to talk his sister out of full-on warfare, basically. And he wants her to look at other options and be realistic about what's going on here and the fact that they're going up against three dragons. She's not willing to do that. Uh, she's already made her decision. So next we're back in Dragonstone with John on one of the brooding cliffs uh, where he stands and watches Danny return on the back of Drogon. It's, it's, it, this is maybe the coolest scene in the episode. Drogon comes in and lands with Danny on his back then like rumbles towards John on the ground, lets out a big roar almost directly in his face. It's really, really good CGI from, mm-hmm. in my opinion, like watching it on a fucking seventy-inch, you know, super HD TV. Typically, with the dragons, you'll get a little bit of like, ooh, that didn't look so good. Not at all in this scene. Uh, the whole time you're like, God damn, that's beautiful. Uh, it's very powerful. Like that, you can feel. You get this close up of John's face as he's like reaching out to touch Drogon, and you feel the pat like. He did such a great job acting the scene because you feel like the weight of what it would be like to to meet a dragon face yeah, to face for right, the first time. Right. It would be fucking crazy. And uh they needed to portray that correctly and they did. And it's I mean, it's a huge deal. 
like that this dragon, and I think especially for Daenerys, that this dragon is like kind of interestingly trusting of John. Oh yeah, it's That's, it's bizarre. Yeah, like John is unfazed by Drogon landing and roaring. Yeah, he stands his ground. So then Drogon respects that sort of and like lowers his head so John can like remove a glove and put his hand out and touch his snout or whatever. Mm. It's just like the, this is the Targaryen thing that right. we're all fully yeah. aware of at this point. But uh, And I would say that it's just making everybody um, horny. kind of horny. Yeah. yeah, really, really horny. Because <laughs> um, Danny's still on the back of Drogon watching the whole thing. She's definitely amazed, likely aroused. So she dismounts and she approaches John. Drogon flies off to join his brothers and she says, they're beautiful, aren't they? And John says, that wasn't the word I was thinking of. And he's looking at her in the face, and she's very upset. And he's like, but yes, yes, they are. Gorgeous beasts. And then she's like, they're not beasts. And she explains that they're her children. And John's like, okay, cool, I died once. Uh, so Danny tells John the trip was a great success. She has fewer enemies today than she did yesterday. And again, the negativity continues here. As Danny says, you're not sure how you feel about that. And John replies, no, I'm not. What do you mean, man? She just told you there's less bad guys than there were before. You don't know how you feel about he that? He doesn't know how she how he feels about her going and torching the baddies. What's the difference? As long as they die. This is like the it's like the, it's the same fucking thing as like the atomic bomb bomb conversation, which we're not going to get into by the way. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's like okay, so we drop the bomb. I don't know why I'm doing Trump for this. <laughs> we drop the bomb and we kill 250,000 people or we send more soldiers in and potentially more people die on both sides. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like what's the the lesser of two evils in this situation. And if you're on John's side of this battle, believing that the Lannisters and all their forces are evil mm-hmm. and have nothing but the intention to destroy and rule the entire world, why would you mind if they get fried? That's the I get what they're trying to do again, but it just doesn't work. Yeah. You don't end up feeling bad for the Lannister soldiers. No, I think everybody wants to make the parallel to her dad. Yeah, that's that's what like everybody's worried about is that she is the Mad King reincarnated. That it'll basically. be in her blood. Yeah, like it, that it's and a that she's just going to always use like this type of absolute no mercy pa- type power right. to to just burn anything that she doesn't like or approve of or yada yada. But in their defense, too, you made a great point last week when you were saying like, or maybe it was a week before, whenever the episode where Danny and John first meet, they we as the audience, have a very hard time with these characters being together now after having spent so much time with them, us, having spent so much time with them when they don't know each other at all. So, like, we know all this history about John and Danny, and we know everything about both of them, but they don't know each other. Right. So it's hard to remember that as you're watching it all play out on screen, and that's it's definitely part of what feeds the flames of all this doubt, and you're absolutely right. The Mad King thing, it does get brought up again here in a few minutes, and it does help. Yeah. Plug some yeah. of the holes on why the, the negativity feels so strong in this episode. Um, so, I mean, again, the message from Danny was pretty simple. If you don't want to get roasted, don't fight with the bad guys. To me, it's straightforward. To John, apparently, it's more complicated. Uh, she brings up how Danny does. When she first arrived, Sir Davos said John took a knife in the heart for his people. And John explains Sir Davos gets carried away. And she's like, so it was a figure of speech? And John's like, oh, man, I can't lie. And then he gets saved. And then, thank God, saved by the bell. We've had a couple of saved by the bell moments in this this season. Yeah, I like it. So it's Barrett's man's, Jorah. 
that, that you've been writing for this whole time. I really have. I he's really have. back. He's back. He's back against all odds. Yep. Dragon scale and all. He fucking survived it. And he hits a knee immediately because he knows the game. Uh, and Danny <laughs> in, introduces Jon Snow to Jorah. He really does immediately, though. It's, it's really funny. Uh, John tells Jorah that he served with his father, that he was a great man. Jorah says he found a cure. He's returning to Danny's service if she'll have him. She says it would be her honor. They hug it out. Jorah looks up at John like, who the fuck is this handsome brooding turd? And John looks at Jorah like, who is this diseased old bag of bones? And then we move on to Winterfell. Daenerys, is this your friend? Yes, he's my friend. Just friends. Very friends close all. friends. Very close friends. Look like at a brother. Hugging. Look at us <laughs> hugging and smiling. No sexual tension. None of it. Yeah. Jorah's um, like, So, I'll just drop this in here now, this little note. But uh, here's one thing that's not bothering me so far in this season. What's that? Could give two shits about how, how the speed of everything uh, m- moving. Right? It doesn't bug you at all. It's not noticeable. It's. It was, I swear to God, it was because, I don't know, it, it only affected me during the first watch. Yeah. This is really my yeah. third. Okay. And it didn't even bug me in the there, second There one. are a lot of things wrong with this season. There are, I, I think there were s- several mistakes made as far as writing and, and plot devices, etc. But the, the speed that things are moving d- does not bother me. I actually kind the, of appreciated it. The thing is, yeah, it's more what it... And you know what you you know where we never complain about stuff like this is in a movie, right? Because we have limited time. Because we right. have two, you have two hours thereabouts, yeah, in between an hour and a half and two and a half hours to tell your story, right? And a lot of times you're like trying to fit a ton of stuff into a really finite amount of time, and that's basically what's happening here. Yeah, when this you is, when you go into a movie though, like you know. Right. Okay, okay, right. they got to fit this all in two and a half hours. I'm going to cut them some breaks. People don't have that attitude towards television yeah, shows, yeah. so it turned out the way it did. Well, and they did, and, and they were so, and and the slow pace of the previous seasons threw everybody. And I then feel they, like that's more the to blame, yeah. right? And then they did shift into more of a movie-making mentality yeah. with, this, with these final two seasons. It's and, going to be more, these episodes are all going to play more like, Feature length films, right? And that, and it's for multiple reasons. It's not just that they have so much story left to tell. It's also because a lot of the imp- most important scenes are going to involve uh, massive amounts of budget, mm-hmm. people, yeah. dragon fire. There's a lot of different reasons that things are going the way they are. And then I'm 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 totally on board with you. That's the thing that this rewatch has pointed out to me more than anything else, is that the the distinction is how slow the first six seasons are more than it is how fast the seventh yeah, season is to right. me. And so the Raven zipping around and Jorah getting from the Citadel back to Danny so quickly and Varys is on every continent. Var- yeah. yeah, then they're, you know, people are getting from the South to the North super quick. Right. It's all, it does not matter. That shit is, not that an issue. is totally cool to me. And I'm not saying slow in a bad way when I speak to the first six seasons. Right, It was right. a totally different style of television though. Yeah. And yep. I'm totally with you that that's what happened here. They moved on to more feature film style of play it is what it is so back in winterfell brand takes flight uh in the form of a flock of ravens he's controlling with his three-eyed raven superpowers his flock of ravens flies north over the wall over east watch by the sea over miles of snow and then finally we see it it's the army of the dead thousands of whites are stumbling along through the snow uh the ravens come down real close overhead and then we see uh, on a naturally raised platform rock type situation the white walker generals are standing the Night King makes eye contact with the flock of ravens, and they scatter, and Bran is bounced from his vision quest as a result. 
Uh, when he gets out of it, he says, Ravens, to Maester Woken. He says, we need to send Ravens. What he's found out here is that the army is close. That's In, it. Indeed. That's that's cool scene. That's all. That's all the information you got out of it. So back at the Citadel, Sam enters a meeting room of some kind where Archmaester Ebros and all the elders of the Citadel are meeting to discuss a raven they've just received from Maester Wolken in Winterfell. Oh my god! It's the raven we just heard Bran tell Maester <laughs> Wolken to send. Oh my god! Uh, and again, see, this shouldn't bug you. Yeah. What, did it... you want to see it fly? <laughs> you fuck? I'm talking to myself, too, for the record. I complained about this just as much as anybody else right, did during right, season right. seven. I'm just saying, like, I feel like we should all take a step back. Uh... They're discussing the legitimacy of this raven, whether or not the North has dulled yet another good maester's wits. And it just, you get more of that vibe. This is the vibe we needed. It's the Citadel. Everybody there thinks they're smarter and better than everyone else. Even their own maesters that are in the North that they make fun of and say uh, they've been dulled. This is, not to get too political here, but this is basically like a bunch of old dudes sitting around looking at uh, scientific reports about climate change and just being like, nah. Right. That's not happening. Nothing's no. wrong. We're all fine. Science, damn you. <laughs> no, it is. It's that's what this is making fun of. It's, yeah, uh, it's yeah. They just the they're... patriarchy, the old ways, the old order, whatever you want to call it, it is what it is and it's very clearly They just have no time for anything that doesn't like make sense to them. Completely the, the, disconnected the, from reality. Yeah, is yeah. the way I would put it. Yeah. yeah. They're idiots. And uh anyway, so they're Sam's just in there doing chores, and these old guys are making fun of the crippled three-eyed raven and the letter the raven delivered as a whole, and Sam is like, hey, uh, actually, I know that kid. He's pretty special. He survived beyond the wall for a long-ass time without the ability to walk. Perhaps we should listen to what he says. And he explains to the maesters that everyone in Westeros respects the Citadel. So if they tell people this shit is real, they will believe it. Uh, all they got to do is tell all these people to send their men north to the wall, and they will do it. And Sam says if they tell every maester in the Citadel to search every word of every scroll about the Long Night, maybe they'll find something that helps them defeat the Army of the Dead for good. Those are his ideas. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of... You kind of... I kind of hope these guys get their comeuppance a little bit. You yeah, know? I, I want wonder to see if, all these guys die. Yeah, I wonder if they'll show us anything like that, like old, like old Archmaester just like being like, "Oh my god," as a as like a white just like eats his neck or something. Yeah, bad idea number one is you have at the very end as we're going through like the you know how Lord of the Rings the last movie it's like a sixty minute end scene uh -huh. where there's eagles flying and like you're like, when is this gonna end? It, it fades <laughs> to black like three separate times. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? The end of uh, Game of Thrones, one of those endings is going to be Sam back at the Citadel as the Archmaester, and uh, Archmaester Ebros is now going to be, it's going to be the reverse, see, he'll be doing the poop loop, and <laughs> Sam will be Archmaester, <laughs> and that'll be his comeuppance for Archmaester Ebros. Yeah, yeah, clean those bedpans. Archmaester Ebros is like, it could be done, and this news could be authentic, it's possible. It's also possible this message is part of a ploy from the <laughs> Dragon Queen. And you're like, God damn it. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, Archmaester, please, Sam says. And he sounds almost exactly like John when he says that. It's a, That's always been John's way of begging for people to listen to him. Mm -hmm. Is their name, please, exclamation point. Uh, and he says, it's real. I've seen it. Which John has also said 50,000 times in yes. the past four episodes. Archmaester Ebros is like, fine, fine. Write to Maester Wolken in Winterfell for clarification, and we'll get to the bottom of this eventually. So he's going to send a bird all the way back to say, 
Could you clarify? <laughs> yeah, they don't have email yet, sadly. This is just the worst method of communication, though. It's it's awesomely bad. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I'm with you. I want to see these guys die. I don't think we're ever going to see them or the Citadel again. Maybe not. And that maybe bums not. me out a little bit. I, I talked about this earlier in the season, how I was kind of disappointed that they showed us like this magical wonderland that was the Citadel, and we'd been kind of like primed just like everybody else to like really respect these dudes and like this institution. Yeah. And so I guess I guess maybe it was purposeful now right. that they've really like torn it down. And I, I there's probably a lot that they might be saying about I mean throughout history even this has right. come up again and again and it's all it always is the way. I mean but as an as an overarching theme, I'm not sure who it is that they're taking. Like, are, are they it's just people of power? People, really. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's people of power who get disconnected and, and, and what, from the rest of the world, right? And right. Don't and care what, about and what I, else. the other thing that like this kind of brings to mind is that what, one thing that we don't really see at the Citadel is a lot of we don't see any other like uh, maester pledges, basically. Right, it's just Sam, like maesters in training. Because nobody's out there. Nobody wants to be that. Yeah. So and yeah. it's 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 like and and there's what we have one of these at every castle. So there's it's a really small select few amount of people gr granted this knowledge. So really they need they you know they need to start taking uh, larger classes of larger of pledge classes. Larger pledge classes. Much yeah, yeah. much larger. <laughs> um, because it's there's just so much poop. <laughs> yeah. They really yeah that would really help out with the uh, the, the poop, poop up the poop cleanup poop loop would be much yeah. shorter mm -hmm. be mm -hmm. good for all of us. Uh, so they continue making fun of the Raven and the story as a whole and some prophet named Lodos who thought the drowned God would rise up and defeat Aegon the Conqueror. And, uh, when Sam leaves the room, one of the other guys asks Archmaester Ebros, he says, is he the one whose father and brother were just burnt alive? And Archmaester says, oh, I haven't had the heart to tell him yet. What the fuck, dude? His family was torched and you know it and you didn't tell him? These guys are dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Next, back in Dragonstone, Tyrion and Varys are drinking, I believe, in the throne room, like on the steps of the throne even, and discussing whether or not Danny did the right thing by burning alive Randall and Dickon because this is still going on. Uh, Tyrion's trying to justify it at this point, and Varys is like, golly, that was just so unnecessary and terrifying. Again, the negativity. Yeah. Uh, Varys explains he used to tell himself the same thing Tyrion is telling himself now back when the Mad King used to fry people. I'm not the one doing it. Uh, and this is where I was like, okay, so there's some precedent for mm -hmm. concern based on her father, but still, this is excessive. Varys tells Tyrion he needs to find a way to make Danny listen to him to rein her in a little bit, basically, as we discussed. Uh... Then Tyrion acknowledges a scroll that Varys is holding. He says, who's that for? And it's for Jon Snow, Varys explains. And he says, did you read it? And Varys says, it's a sealed scroll for the king in the north. And Tyrion's like, what does it say? And Varys <laughs> like, nothing good. Uh, so of course he fucking read it. And next we see Jon reading that letter. And it's a letter that tells him, uh, at least we know Arya's alive and Bran's alive. Because he says, I thought Arya was dead. I thought Bran was dead. Um... And it should be stated, he really doesn't get time to celebrate, nor does he look happy about finding out both of his siblings are alive. No, uh, he pretty no. much moves directly into the issues, which, look, as somebody who has a sibling, you'd react, okay? You wouldn't just be like, oh, wow, that's crazy. All right, moving back to the Army of the Dead, how are we going to handle this? You'd be I, like, I think he's just shit. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I guess, he just, has a, I guess he just has a lot on his plate right now. I guess. God damn. I'm just saying, it didn't even, it didn't even seem like it mattered to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
obviously the other bit of information within the scroll is that Bran saw the army of the dead marching towards East, East Watch, and that's the reason John's more distracted. He's like, well, fuck, this is about to happen now. And we are not prepared yet. He's like, if these freaks make it past the wait, wall, wait, but, we're but he there. doesn't even know that Bran is Three Eyed Raven. No, so he probably has so no understanding of, of why. Wh- yeah, yeah. Bran did a what now? Yeah, I don't know. You know I don't what know I mean? how they would explain that. I don't, thing. Yeah, maybe they just—they were like, we have a spy, and he saw it. They right, were like, listen, right. your brother—he transformed into these birds, and then he flew them over the. Wall. You know, I doubt they had all that in that little scroll. Um, but yes, it's. It's not exactly clear how this would be mm-hmm. communicated. So, Danny is like, uh, oh, John wants to go home. He wants to go to Winterfell. He says it's time, and they have no choice, even though they don't have enough men, that if the Army of the Dead is right by Eastwatch, he's got to get going. And Danny's like, well, I can't go with you because the second I leave, Cersei's just going to march in and take over Dragonstone. I'm not sure why that matters at all. But Tyrion says, perhaps not. Cersei thinks the army of the dead is nothing but a story made up by wet nurses to frighten children. What if we prove her wrong? And this is where the worst plan in the history of plans comes into play. Indeed. Uh, Tyrion says, bring the dead to her. We don't have to bring the whole army, only one soldier. And just for the purposes of saving time, if you would like to hear Barrett and I talk for roughly 30 minutes about how stupid this fucking plan is, <laughs> go listen to our first ever episode that we did uh, about Season 7, Episode 5, back when Season 7 was on the air. It is a spoiler-free version if you're, for whatever reason, listening to this, and I, this isn't helpful information. I'm just saying we're not going through this again. Uh, this yeah, is a, a stupid fucking It's a dumb plan. idea. Yes. Yep. So John's like, hey, the first white I ever saw was at Castle Black, and that was brought back from beyond the wall. So it's it's possible. We could, we could possibly do this. And before you even realize it, they're talking about how to execute this plan. It yeah. was literally just birthed. Uh, nobody t- nobody even is like, oh, that, that sounds dumb. Or offered up another option. Yeah, they're just all like, yeah, okay. Right, right, yeah, we're on Sounds board. good. It's like, was this an 8.30 a.m. meeting? <laughs> no one had had their coffee yet? No one felt like arguing yet? What the fuck? And Tyrion wants to sneak into King's Landing, wants to have Davos smuggle him in, and then he wants to talk to Jaime. And again, I'm, I'm, let me slow this down. The plan is for Tyrion Lannister to sneak back into King's Landing, meet with his brother inside the Red Keep somehow, and explain to him that they need their psycho sister to help beat the army of the dead. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's idiotic. So Jorah is immediately, of course Jorah is immediately like, I'll go north. I'll bring you back one of these dead men so that we can show Cersei. John's like, ah, the free folk will help too. They know the North better than anyone. Oh, and also I will be going. And Davos is like, you can't lead a raid beyond the wall. You're not in the Night's Watch anymore. You're the king in the North. The king in the North. King in the North. And John ignores him. Uh, he says he's the only one there who's fought these guys. He's the only one who knows anything about them that he has to go. And Danny says, I haven't given you permission to leave yet. And John says, with respect, your grace, I don't need your permission. I am a king. Now, I came here knowing that you would, you could have your men behead me or your dragons burn me alive. I put my trust in you, a stranger, because I knew it was the best chance for my people, for all our people. Now I'm asking you to trust in a stranger because it's our best chance. And then he nods. So uh, John is, is very confident here, very strong. I would say that John now has at least 50% of the hand in this relationship that's what i would he's, argue. he's got a lot of hands now from zero percent to 50 like in the two and a half episodes yeah, he's yeah. made up quite a bit of ground yeah which is great and it's inevitably that strength is a lot of what attracts 
Danny yes. to him. And yeah. Yeah. you have to also think that part of that confidence comes from his very well manicured facial hair, mm-hmm. which he undoubtedly mm-hmm. uses Harry's razors on. He must. He must. Right. Turns out Harry's Razors actually sponsors this show, coincidentally. Wow. Finding the right holiday gift for a guy can be miserable, especially if it's a, a brooder like Jon Snow. It can feel nearly impossible to shop for these people, really. Uh, you, what, are you supposed to get him another wallet or a video game he's going to play instead of hanging out with you? That's not a win. Don't do that. Get that guy some Harry's. Harry's makes long-lasting quality razor blades at a super reasonable price, the best shaving products in the game. They're German-engineered, these blades. Uh, and they're as low as $2 each. It's a practical gift that the man in your life will actually use. And you can save him money on blade refills as well. You can even personalize the thing to make it feel extra special. Choose a color that's right for him. They got limited edition holiday handles, personal engraving options. What a great stock, stocking stuffer a personally engraved Harry's razor would be. And Closest shave I've ever had. Ever. Ever. Mm. Yeah. Love a close shave. Love a close shave. And they come ready to gift in these very handsome gift boxes. Uh, I have noted before that I received one for being a groomsman in a wedding, and I was amazed. This was years ago. It was like back when Harry's first started, I believe, and I was like, God damn. It was, it was this awesome. thing is lux. This oh. thing is lux. Yeah, like very lux. Yeah. And the gift sets start at just $10. And again, they're very handsome. 100% quality guarantee. If he doesn't love it, returns are quick and hassle-free. Uh, and we have a special offer for the Clam Fam. We have partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including the limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash dragon. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Free shipping. Offer is for new and returning customers and is only available during the holidays. Each Harry's shaving set comes with ergonomic (laughs) weighted handle, an option to engrave, German-engineered five-blade cartridges that provide a close, comfortable shave, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, a travel cover to protect your blades, a handsome holiday gift box. What what more could you possibly need? If you want something for yourself, uh, redeem a Harry's trial offer to experience the quality of shave before you ever commit to purchasing the gift for uh, anybody else. Get your holiday shopping done early. It's not really early anymore. Finish up. Uh... Free shipping is gone. Go to harrys.com slash dragon. $5 off a shave set while supplies last. harrys.com slash dragon. Back in Winterfell, everyone is gathered in the main hall for a good groveling session. And Glover, Lord Glover says, The king in the north should stay in the north. We did not choose you to rule us, my lady, but perhaps we should have. And Lord Royce stands up and he's like, Hey, the Knights of the Vale came here for you. This is all for you. Let's do this. Forget John. Sansa backs up John, though, thankfully, says he's the king and he's doing what he thinks is best. Again, the groveling continues while Arya smiles at Sansa and gives her... They get, there's like The weird Sansa-Arya vibes start in this scene uh, where they don't seem like they're on the same page. And you're like, what the fuck's going on here? Figure it out, girls. And then we find out later on that was all bullshit. But anyway... Um, Arya and Sansa have this their first little half-ass like spat here because Arya is upset that Sansa sat and listened to men insulting their brother John. So in in the timeline, uh-huh. Is this scene real or fake? It really doesn't matter. Um to me it's fake. To me it, it's hard to tell how developed their plan is at this point. I think they've certainly had a conversation about... I'm talking about Sansa and Arya. They've certainly had a conversation about Littlefinger at some point already. They've not maybe decided that they're going to kill him yet or that they need to get rid of him yet, but they're aware that he's a problem. 
I think both sides, both Littlefinger and Sansa and Arya, are already playing different little games with each other, some of which we're going to see in a few minutes. Uh, I can't tell how much of the conflict between Arya and Sansa in that room is like manufactured. But again, I, I don't know that it matters all that much because at some point along the way, they figure out, all right, we're going to have to play this dude harder than he's playing us. And that certainly seems to have happened in this episode at some point, right? Because later on in this episode, we see Arya trying to play Littlefinger as Littlefinger's playing Arya. It just, I, I don't know. I can't tell how deep I, I don't know. Okay, yet. I just, I wish they had given us, I wish they had like cut to somebody listening into this conversation, maybe, or something like that. Like a little nod to the fact that it was real or fake. That maybe this was for the benefit of somebody listening, whether that was Littlefinger or another spy. Yeah. Or not. Or or we think that somebody's listening in on them, like hearing them start to bicker. You know, I, I just Yeah. The setup just feels like such, you know, when we talked a lot about this the last time around, mm-hmm. but it's such a head fake because you just kind of whiffed. Yeah, because yeah, now I don't know if this was, was this like real tension? Was Arya really being like that big of a bitch to her sister for right. no apparent reason? Was it this the beginning of the of the game of faces? Like, I, I just, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. It's weird because there I, is, I just kind of wish I knew, bit. I wish I knew where their game started. Yeah, there, there's there's certainly a little bit of distrust between the sisters at the beginning of their, when they're reunited, right? And, and Sansa's moved into their father and mother's old chambers uh aria very much needs to figure out what her sister's intentions are and vice versa but i feel like we've moved past that at this point and we are now in the setup of little finger section of the show i don't know it, it it's so they, they did such a good job that it just feels like a real argument really i know and they've never shown saying, yeah. anything to believe otherwise so who fucking i don't yeah. know yeah um but the the point the fake conflict thing is supposed to lead us to believe whether or not this is part of the fake conflict, there is things coming that are fake, that there's this massive rift building between the girls that's leaving an opportunity for Littlefinger, when in reality, we don't know yet. And obviously these things don't pay out the way Littlefinger wanted them to. Uh, whether or not they're trust- testing each other's loyalty is really hard to tell. Or whether or not Arya really doesn't trust that Sansa won't potentially seize power in Jon's absence. We don't know. It's mm-hmm. hard to tell. Next, we're back in King's Landing, where Tyrion and Davos have arrived. Uh, Again, remember, Davos is smuggling Tyrion in. Tyrion notes, last time I was here, I killed my father with a crossbow. And Davos says, last time I was here, you killed my son with wildfire. Yeah, awkward. And you're like, oh, man. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Davos points points him in the right direction, and then he heads off to Flea Bottom. He says he's got his own business to handle. Flea Bottom. Yep. So. Oh, I really like the line here. The, uh... I don't know. It just anytime somebody sounds like Conor McGregor, it's fun. Yeah, it's true. It's like, what if they? What if somebody steals the boat? Then we're fucked. Best story. Fucked is the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> he can't even read. Uh, so we see Braun leading Jamie below the Red Keep, past all the great dragon skulls with a torch. And Jamie's like, "We don't have time for this. We should be preparing the city for a siege." And Braun's like, "Well, you got to train." We're going to war, and you got to be able to fight. He's convinced Jamie that he's taking him down there to train with him so that nobody else will see them train. Again, you'll remember Jamie was embarrassed about losing the hand and learning how to fight again. He doesn't want people to know that he's worthless with a sword. Turns out all that was all this just set up, though, right? They come up to Tyrion, and Jamie's like, what the fuck? Braun says, I'll uh, leave you to it. 
He bails. Tyrion contacted Bronn and had Bronn set up a meeting between him and Jamie in the Red Keep. Uh, that's what happened. So, in case you were confused. Tyrion starts off this conversation by telling his brother that he needed to see him, but he knew he'd never agree to meet him, so this was the only way. He tries to break the ice by joking about how Jamie has been three steps ahead of him the entire time and made him look like a total idiot with, like, the Casterly Rock invasion as an example. Yep, yep. But Jamie's not having that. He's furious. He says, I once told Bronn that if I ever saw you again, I would cut you in half. And Tyrion responds, it'll take you a while with a sparring sword, which I, I have always been of the belief that humor makes all of the worst situations better. <laughs> I've always been the guy who inappropriately says funny things when you shouldn't, whether you're, it's when I'm in trouble or being yelled at by my mom or my wife or the police or whatever. Ah, yes, the police. And uh, so I identify with this. I, I can't. I love that Tyrion. I mean, it tries was to a, a he joke. tries to do a little icebreaker there, like yeah. cut the tension a little bit. It fails miserably. Yes. Uh, Tyrion finally breaks, though. He's like, "All right, if you're not going to take humor, I'm going to have to hit you with hard truth." He says of his father, "He was going to execute me. He knew I was innocent. He didn't hate me because of anything I did. He hated me because of what I am, a little monster sent to punish him." And he gets very emotional, uh, discussing how he had to kill his own father. Again, Jamie does not want to hear any of this shit. This is going to continue to be a family problem. No matter how season eight unfolds, there's going to need to be therapy sessions. Jamie is going to need to sit down with Tyrion. Maybe they each get a hand puppet and they work it out. <laughs> Something's going to have to happen. He yells, what do you want? And Tyrion explains to his brother that Danny is going to win this war. There's no way around that. And surely Jamie must see that as a military man and not a blind moron. Uh, Tyrion goes on to explain Danny has agreed to potentially suspend hostilities if Cersei will agree to certain terms. We don't know what those terms are yet, but we do know there are terms. Then we are back with Davos as he wanders around Flea Bottom. So we're left the Tyrion and Jamie situation with no real conclusion. All we know is that there is a potential deal on the table for the uh, secession of hostilities between Cersei and Danny and their forces. Um, Davos is wandering around Flea Bottom. And who does he find? Hey, it's Gendry, the blacksmith and bastard of Robert Baratheon, who is back in the story. Davos says, I wasn't sure I'd find you. Thought you might still be rowing. And my God, they acknowledged a meme within the show, <laughs> which is unprecedented. Uh, when that line dropped live, mm -hmm. I like did a spit take. <laughs> I could not believe they acknowledged. Because if you remember, every, the joke for years, for two seasons, was... Where the fuck is Gendry? He's just out there still and rowing. And he was just out there rowing. Yeah. Uh, and it the meme transformed like into an outside the world of Game of Thrones. It became a joke like in other... You could mm. make the joke in general. People understood it. And then they recognized it on the show, which I thought was great. Uh, should be noted, Gendry has a shaved head now. His flow is gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kind of dig it. I it's dig a, it too. It's a good look. It's better for fighting. I very much like the Gendry character in this episode. Yeah. It, it doesn't... He doesn't feel like he missed a beat. No. It no. feels like he should be, you know, if if you left Gendry where we left him and then he had a couple years in King's Landing to pick up where he left off, this is what he would be like. Mm -hmm. None of this feels mm -hmm. forced or fake. Uh, the whole thing that he, that his whole spiel is essentially, I didn't know what I was, uh, my purpose was, but I knew I had a purpose and eventually it would come for me. So I've been training and I've been ready. That should feel stupid and silly. It really doesn't. You, you totally buy it. You're like, yeah, all right. What the fuck else would he have been doing? Yeah, let's get this guy out of here. Yeah. Um, Davos, uh, one time, oh, in the midst of this conversation with Gendry, he's explaining why he's not worried about gold cloaks recognizing him being back in King's Landing. 
And he says it's been too long since he's been there. Nothing fucks you harder than time, which is an all-time Game of Thrones quote. He says he barely recognizes himself on occasion, so of course the gold cloaks aren't going to recognize him. Uh, explains to Gendry, or he tries to explain to Gendry anyway, that bad things are coming. But before he can even get into the details, like literally any of the details, Gendry is 100% on board. He's like, I'm all in. Let's fucking roll. <laughs> Davos is like, hold on, son. Let me explain. And Gendry's like, shut up, old man. Let's go. Look at these forearms and these biceps. I've been swinging this goddamn hammer every day working out thinking about this day. Now, Robert was a hammer man, too. He was. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, okay. that's It's that, very yeah. much a nod to, yes. uh, to his his biological father. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, good. and might I add, I'm psyched to have a hammer guy in the squad. You got, every squad needs a hammer guy. Serious lack of hammer up to this point. Mm -hmm. uh, so Davos tells Gendry he might want to bring one of his swords. Gendry's like, nah, son, fuck that hammer we just spoke of comes into play. Back at the rowboat that they got to King's Landing on, Davos explains to Gendry that he needs to keep his father's name to himself when they arrive in Dragonstone. He says the, the situation is complicated enough as it is he doesn't want him going around introducing himself as Robert Baratheon's bastard or potentially having some claim to the Iron Throne. Obviously, that would be an issue with Danny. And again, everybody's being uh, afraid of being set on fire by Danny at this point. So you don't want that. And uh, as he's explaining this to Gendry, unfortunately, two gold cloaks approach. And Davos breaks out into an act. He says, I told you, Clovis, if we don't get out of here soon... Uh, his fake name he came up with off the top for Gendry is Clovis. 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 Indeed. Uh, which is what I am going to choose to name zero of my children. Hey, Clovis. Ah, uh, Clovis, get in here. <laughs> anyway, Davos tries to pay each of these guys five gold dragons to fuck off, and they say it's 15 apiece nowadays. That's how long it's been since Davos has been back. I thought that was a cool nod to old people who used to do dirt doing dirt again. Like, if your dad tries to go buy weed right now, he's going to be like, $20 a gram? Back in my day, it was $5 for an ounce or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just the same type of deal. Uh, he pays up, and you're like, okay, that was easy enough. But no, these fuckers are curious. They don't want to leave. They want, they want to know what's in the boat now. Davos is like, oh, God, come have a look. And he pulls open the little sheet he's got on this bucket to uh, conceal Gendry's hammer, and he shows fermented crab. He says, one bucket of this triples a brothel's earnings for the week. A man thinks he's done. He's ready to go back to his loving family. But before he gets his britches up, his lady of the hour pops a tiny spoon of that into his mouth. Five minutes later, he's back in the race. Here, have a taste. And both of the guards are like, sure, I will eat some boner crab <laughs> right now. Neither one of them is like, you know what, I'm going to take it home with me. I'm just going to go ahead and digest it right now. Yeah, yeah, no, they, they, they are... They're too curious, and you know, you know what they say. Curiosity killed the cat. It did. Yeah. Uh, PETA, we'll need an updated version of that saying. For, if oh, you, right. If you guys yes. want us to be, if yeah. we want to make you happy or whatever, so whatever that is. That's like, that, yeah. Curiosity, uh, curiosity did a lot of favors for the cat. Curiosity really bugged the cat or something. <laughs> uh, anyway, Davos says, I'd hurry to your favorite establishment, or you'll put a hole in that chain mail. And they laugh and turn to walk away, and you're like, God damn, Davos is good at his job. Yeah, that was, Unfortunately, that was smooth. Just as they're leaving, the most recognizable little person in the world, Tyrion Lannister, a dwarf with a massive scar across his face, happens to be returning. He tries to stay low-key and like ignore the guards, basically, but uh, obviously they're intrigued by him. They interrogate him. They ask him where he got his scar. They say they're looking for a dwarf with a scar like that. 
In fact, I think the quote is, we were looking for a dwarf with a scar like that, like back in the day. Like mm-hmm. they're remembering the time they were looking for a dwarf like right. that, which is hilarious. Davos takes out more gold and tries to pay them to fuck off again. Um, but before they can properly tell him no, Gendry kills them both with a hammer. He sees where this is going. That was the only move there, really. And again, and that's another reason you got to love Gendry. Cut yeah. to the chase. Yeah. What's the point of fucking around with all this? Just murder these men. Uh, uh, yeah, indeed. Davos introduces Gendry to Tyrion. He says, this is Gendry. And Tyrion says, he'll do. He'll do? Yeah. That'll do, pig. Oh, that'll do, pig. That'll do. That's a great movie, babe. I haven't seen that in a long time. Next, Jamie walks into Cersei's chambers. And he catches the very last second of a conversation between her and Kyburn, in which Kyburn says, I could give you something. And Cersei replies, that won't be necessary. And you're like, what the fuck were they talking about there? Immediately, everybody goes to pregnancy. Everybody's brain went to, oh, my God, is Cersei possibly pregnant? And uh, we'll find out in a second. So Jamie asks why Kyburn was there, and Cersei says, he's the hand of the queen. Why are you here? Rift getting bigger and bigger between these two. Jamie tells Cersei that he met with Tyrion um, and that Danny wants to discuss an armistice possibility. Cersei is very confused by that. Like, why would you want to meet and discuss a potential secession of hostilities when you just won this huge victory? Doesn't make any sense. Jamie tries to explain to her the army of the dead is marching on the Seven Kingdoms, and uh, apparently Tyrion has has assured Jamie that they will provide them with proof that this is really happening, that this is a real thing, a real threat that they have to deal with. Cersei, in response to that, wants to know how Jamie is going to punish Braun for betraying him and setting up a meeting without his knowledge or consent. And you're just kind of like, why the fuck is she interested in this? Uh, she says, do you think anything of importance happens in this city without me knowing? It's crazy. She, she let Tyrion come and, into the city. Yes, yeah, that's wild. Uh, she says, I've come to believe that an accommodation with the Dragon Queen could be in our immediate interest. She has the numbers. If we want to beat her, we have to be clever. We have to fight her like Father would have. Dead men, dragons, and Dragon Queens, whatever stands in our way, we will defeat it. For ourselves, for our house. And then she puts both her hands on her stomach and says, for this. And Jamie's in shock. Uh, he says, who will you say is the father? She says, you it's the same amount of pride on his face here that he got in the boat with Marcella mm. right before she died. Mm. And you just kind of like, you just know it's not going to end well for our boy, that this isn't going to be, he's not going to get to live out the rest of his days with a white picket fence and Cersei and their kids. That's not ever going to happen. So it's just kind of sad to see him proud of this moment. Right, right. Like psyched about this demon baby that he's now spawning. Dude, we, 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 we're kind of never sure if she's just we don't lying, have no right? idea. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it could be that she feels him slipping away and needs this as a way to pull him back in. Yeah. Maybe she is fucked. I, they fuck. We know that. Right. No, she it's possible. Be- it's possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Never betray me again. Yeah, they hug it out, and that's how she ends it. Yeah. Never betray me again. Mm-hmm. Just not the way you want to go. Oh, we also get a very nice acknowledgement of uh the lion does not concern himself with the opinions of the sheep reminder of that of that whole tywin lannister line which is one of the all-time greatest i love that shit Mm -hmm. uh and then we're back at dragonstone davos explains to gendry again reminds him keep your fucking mouth shut about being a rob baratheon's bastard John has enough on his mind. Doesn't need to be worrying about harboring the bastard of a dead king as davos puts it he says you're just clovis 
a smith who's come to pay his respects before he heads off to work at the Winterfell Forges. Which sounds way exactly like what a guy named Clovis would be doing, <laughs> frankly. Um, so, of course, when Davos introduces Clovis to John, the first two words out of Clovis's mouth are, Name's Gendry, your grace. I'm Robert Baratheon's son. Bastard son. He, he, Davos is like, what the fuck? I just fucking said, don't say This guy is a total wild card, man. This, this son of a bitch. I love this Gendry. Yeah, gotta, I love, get, him. love him. Gotta love him. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. I like this whole thing. It, Davos is like he was meant to keep that to himself. Gendry talks about how their fathers trusted each other. Why shouldn't we? They reminisce a little bit about seeing and meeting each other's fathers. John says you're a lot leaner. Gendry says you're a lot shorter, and and that's funny too. Uh, then Gendry's like, I, I want to go with you to the wall. I know what you're doing. This Davos has already told me. I'm a fighter. Uh, he, he even points out this motherfucker already has a gigantic. Uh, Valyrian steel sword. What, what am I supposed to make yeah, him? Yeah. Uh, I'm much better off with uh, being on the battlefield with him. I think the answer there would be the dragon glass. You need to be working on the dragon glass. Right. But uh, of right. course, no one yeah. said that. They're just like, sure, you can come along. So Davos vouches for Gendry that he can handle himself. And uh, Davos says, nobody mind me. All I've ever done is live <laughs> to a ripe old age. Which. In all fairness, he earned that line. He can't get no respect around here. No end. respect. In all respect. Why doesn't anybody have any respect? So Danny, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Back on the beach, Tyrion creeps up on Jorah, and he says, you may not believe it, but I've missed you, Mormont. Nobody glowers quite like you, not even Grey Worm. And I looked up glower, because no one says that. It means have an angry or sullen look on one's face. Yeah, it's another br word for brooding. Or scowl. Yeah, scowling. scowl, brooding. Scowling. Yeah, Brood, yeah, it's the yeah. same thing as brooding, pretty much. Um, Tyrion gives Jorah the coin that the slaver gave Tyrion when he suggested that they free them and pay them. He says, take it with you, but bring it back. Our queen needs you, uh, which is an important distinction. Tyrion, at this point, sees the value in Jorah. I think he has figured out this man no longer serves as an annoyance to him. This is a guy who has uh, been through a lot with him, who he sees has gone across to the other side of the fucking world to get cured of one of the worst diseases you can get and made it all the way back just to serve Danny. So, of course, Tyrion sees the value and, and, and sees the, the loyalty. And, yeah, this uh, guy's a real one. Very. As real as they get, mm -hmm, which is why you mm -hmm. ride so hard for exactly, him. And maybe exactly. And maybe Tyrion's starting to understand yeah, that. Exactly. Um, so... She, uh, oh, Danny says goodbye to Jorah, takes his hands, looks him in the eye, and he kisses her hands as, uh, as John approaches. And then John says bye to Danny. He's like, Well, if I don't return, at least you won't have to deal with the king in the north anymore. And she says, I've grown used to him. And John's uh, last line before parting is, I wish you good fortune in the wars to come, your grace. Which is the line that the Sword of the Morning delivered to Ned Stark at the Tower of Joy, which is wild. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And then Sir Jorah and John are off to Eastwatch. Back at the Citadel, Gilly teaches Sam how many steps there are in the Citadel and how many windows are in the Great Sept of Baylor. We actually don't ever hear how many windows are in the Great Sept of Baylor. Or were, because Sam says right. none anymore. Yeah. And the Sept is gone. Yeah. She but there are, 15, there are circa 15,000 steps. 15,782 steps. In the, Right. Yeah. And so... I looked up how many steps are in the Empire State Building. Oh yeah, only fifteen hundred and seventy-six. So this is a this is a large a lot place. of steps, Lots. a lot of steps. That's now a... maybe that's just one stairwell of the Empire State Building. 
So if there's like multiple, like two 15 or three stairwells, then there's like as many steps. But, but, still, yeah, a lot of steps. Ten fifteen thousand. There's ten stairwells. There's about the same number. But mm. math, yeah, this is the theme of this episode. Anyway, tell your just, friends. Uh, just thought it'd be interesting to compare. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Gilly, there's can, a thing where people race up the steps of the Empire State Building. Is it really? Yeah. I some some surely someone has had a heart attack doing that. Uh, nobody knows. Huh. <laughs> they don't. We may they never purposely know. We may don't never track know. the yeah. deaths that take place in the Empire State Building. <laughs> nobody knows that, but it's actually is not recorded at yeah. all. Yeah. Gilly keeps reading. She says this high Septon Maynard. He recorded everything. He even recorded his own bowel movements. What does annulment mean? Uh, and Sam's like, well, that's when a man sets aside his lawful wife. And Gilly's like, well, Maynard says here that he issued an annulment to Prince Ragar. She says Ragar instead of Ragar, which is funny. And remarried him to someone else at the same time in a secret ceremony in Dorne. Uh, which I made a note here. Important thing to remember, I always forget this. The Tower of Joy is in Dorne. It's at the northern edge of the Red Mountains in Dorne, to be specific, which is... That's Google gave me that. I didn't know that. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I always forget that when we look at those scenes, that's, that's in Dorne. taking place in Dorne. Interesting. Which is crazy. Okay. Yeah. Good to note. Good to note. So Sam, of course, completely misses the very important fact that Gilly just spilled the beans about, which is that, in fact, Prince Rhaegar uh, was legally annulled from the woman he was supposed to be married to, and then married to somebody else, and then married legally to uh, Jon Snow's mother. So. Yeah, that's his, really his, his mommy. Really, throws a whole wrench in the history of this nation. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Anyway, Sam misses it. He's too he's too angry about this old broken ass system at the Citadel, preventing him from finding the secret to defending the the whole realm from the Night King. And uh, instead, all these people are making sure that Maynard's bowel movements aren't lost to history. Sam's like snapping. He says, "But that's all right, isn't it? We can all become slather, slavering, murderous imbeciles in thrall to evil incarnate, as long as we can have access to the full records of High Septon Maynard's fifteen thousand seven hundred eighty-two shits." <laughs> and Gilly says, "Steps. That was the number of steps, not poops. That's a lot of poops, though." I think Sam knew that, though. Ah, yeah. He he was funny. He was being. She was, he was an idiot. Yeah. I don't know. I'm the same intelligence level as Gilly. We're both just trying to figure it all out. And Sam's like, fuck this, we're out. He grabs a bag, he stomps off to the restricted restricted section of the library. Shout out to Harry Potter. He grabs a bunch of scrolls and books he thinks he needs. Uh, on his way out, he stops and takes one more look at the glorious, massive library, and they give us like 10 more seconds of that Lord of the Rings Citadel music. Yeah, it doesn't look so glorious now, does it, huh? No, and it really is just a reminder like, hey, remember all the promise this place showed when we arrived? <laughs> None of it came None to of fruition. It, yes, yeah. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. god damn, what a bummer. Yep. And uh, and then they're off. So Sam, little Sam and Gilly leave the Citadel on a cart. Gilly's like, are you sure you want to do this? You always wanted to be a maester. And Sam says, I'm tired of reading about the achievements of better men. Man, shots fired. Mm -hmm. Indeed. The Citadel sucked. Back at Winterfell, we see Littlefinger meet secretly with some chick. Uh, we don't know what's going on. Arya is watching as they meet, and they exchange something. Littlefinger's clearly back on his bullshit. Next, Arya spies on Littlefinger meeting with Lord Royce and Lord Glover, which you'll remember are the two men who, earlier in the episode, were trying to convince Sansa to take power back for herself while Jon is gone. So clearly Littlefinger was already pulling the strings there, too. That's the implication, at least. And Arya can see that fairly easily. Next, she sees Littlefinger heading into his chambers when Maester Wolken stops him and says... I found it, my lord. Took some searching. Maester Lewin's archives are very thorough. 
and it's a raven scroll. And Littlefinger's like, you sure this is the only copy in Winterfell? Wolken assures him it is, and Littlef- Littlefinger says, thank you for your service. And Arya watches as Littlefinger goes into his chambers. He's in there for about 20 seconds, comes back out, locks the door, and leaves. So then she sneaks in. She searches high and low between the books and his desk and his dresser under his bed. Lastly, she checks his mattress, which you'll note is not a Lisa mattress. It is a piece of shit. Uh, There's a small slit cut in the side, and the scroll is contained within, which can really only mean one thing. This whole thing is patently obvious. As a viewer, you should be like, this is weird. He's fucking set this whole thing up. He wanted her to find it. We find that out in a few seconds, but if you hadn't figured that out at this point, it's getting popped on you pretty hard. The scroll says something about someone being dead, killed from wounds, someone trying to steal a throne, swearing fealty, King Joffrey. And you're like, oh, okay, the only words you get on there if you pause it are enough for you to put together, okay, this is the letter Sansa wrote to her family pleading with them to come to King's Landing to swear fealty to the Lannisters when Cersei forced her to While write under a massive of amount of duress. Huge, yeah, yeah, huge <laughs> duress. And uh, it makes it look like Sansa betrayed her family when in fact she was just a child being coerced into doing this by a powerful manipulative woman, Cersei. Uh, which again just puts more confusion confusion into the whole Arya Sansa camp. It's yeah, like, wait, yeah, yeah. so where yeah. are we in this? Right. So Arya leaves his chambers, and uh, uh, you know, presumably believing to have just pulled off a sneaky little heist of this scroll, and then we see Littlefinger lurking in the shadows, watching. He planted the scroll. He wanted Arya to find it. He's still trying to make moves. Maybe he's not done after all. Guess we'll find out. But you know how you can avoid anyone ever finding your secret ravens hidden in your mattress? Don't sleep on a shitty-ass mattress like Littlefinger. Get a Lisa mattress. Made with built-in slots underneath the mattress to hide your raven scrolls. It's a special edition Lisa just for the clam fam <laughs> with scroll slots. No, that doesn't exist. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know about Lisa mattresses, they make the best mattresses in the Seven Kingdoms or across the Narrow Sea or in any realm. Also incredible pillows and blankets. Uh, these are important products because if you ever find yourself getting distracted or forgetting things or underperforming, making mistakes at work or at school, a quality night's sleep could really, really help you get back on the right track. It could make all the difference. And the right mattress can be the difference between you just laying down and actually getting valuable rest for your mind and body. The right mattress is the Lisa mattress, the product of over 30 years of experience in mattress engineering and hundreds of hours of testing comprised of three foam layers that provide cooling, pressure relief, body contouring, and support. Over 300,000 happy Lisa sleepers agree. The Lisa mattress gives them the rest they need. I have uh, what's called the Sapira by Lisa. Barrett has the same. And uh, it, it combines, it's their slightly more luxurious, slightly more expensive mattress. It combines memory foam and spring technology, whereas the Lisa is straight up memory foam. You can get $235 off the Lisa match or the uh, luxurious Sapira by Lisa that I sleep on by going to lisa.com slash dragon. Okay. You're going to get $160 off the Lisa mattress if you decide to go with the Lisa. If you go with the Sapira, $235 off. They are incredible. Lisa.com slash dragon. Use the dragon. code dragon. L E E S A dot com slash dragon. dragon. Promo code dragon. And might dragon. I just add, if you're not in the market for whatever reason for dragon. a new mattress, perhaps you already have a Sapira. Perhaps you already have a Lisa. That's fine. Get a pillow or a blanket for the loved one in your life that does not have one already. Test these. J- just give the pillow or the blankets a try. That's what I would recommend. All right. We close out this episode with the arrival of Jon Snow, Gendry, and some other random guys who will surely not survive uh, that have rolled out from Dragonstone to the Wall. 
and we're immediately thrown into a conversation between them all. Tormund is like, isn't it your job to talk him out of stupid fucking ideas like this? He's talking to Davos, and Davos says, I've been failing at that job of late. At least someone acknowledges how stupid this plan is. Thank you, Tormund. Then Tormund makes fun of the uh, story as a whole. He says, how many queens are there now? And John says, two. And Tormund says, and you need to convince the one with the dragons or the one who fucks her brother. <laughs> John says, both. Tormund says, how many men did you bring? John says, not enough. And Tormund says, the big woman? And John shakes his head, no, which is a huge bummer for Tormund. He just, yeah, wanted, yeah. He just wanted the big woman. He, want, he just wanted to get out there and have some quality time shooting the breeze with the big woman. He's trying to mate with a large lady <laughs> named Brienne. Davos explains that he's going to be staying behind because he's a liability out there. I like, I get it, okay, I do, but the screwed up click is very screwed up. You got to look at this crew. Beric is missing a fucking eye. Uh, I'm, Thoros is a raging alcoholic and not fully functioning. I don't really get why Davos feels he can't be, he, he's too much of a liability. I understand that he can't fight. He only has like three fingers on one hand or some shit. I, I get it. I'm just saying it seemed a little weird that they went out of the way to point out Davos can't go because he'd be a liability. But doesn't Davos go? No, he doesn't. He stays at, at Eastwatch. Oh. Hmm. So Tormund continues to question John. He's like, you really want to go out there again? And uh, John nods, and Tormund says, well, for whatever fucking reason, you're not the only ones. And he takes him down to the jail cells at Eastwatch where, oh my God, it's the Hound, Beric Dondarrion, and Thoros of Mir. Tormund says they want to go beyond the wall too. And Beric's like, we don't want to go beyond the wall. We have to. Our lord told us that the great war is coming. And before he can, like, launch in on this thing, uh, Gendry interrupts him. He's like, no, do not trust these dudes. They are the brotherhood. And the last thing their lord told them to do was sell me to a red witch to be murdered. There's one connection there, okay? Gendry, brotherhood. Then Jorah recognizes Thoros. He's like... Sir Jorah Mormont, they won't give me anything to drink down here. I haven't been feeling like myself. Uh, they're not giving Thoros his, his alcohol. He needs it because he's an alcoholic. There you go. Connection between Jorah and Thoros. They actually fought in the battle that everybody always talks yep, about Thoros yep, yep. fighting in, the one where he ran through the breach with a flaming sword. Then, uh, when he says, when Thoros says to Jorah, Sir Jorah Mormont, he reveals to Tormund, that Jorah is a Mormont. And he says, you're a fucking Mormont? Like the last Lord Commander? And Jorah's like, yeah, he was my father. Tormund says, he hunted us like animals. And Jorah's like, you returned the favor, as I, as I recall. And then Beric Dondarrion steps in again to continue. He always has great speeches, so I love when he starts talking. He's, he steps in and he's like, here we all are, <laughs> at the edge of the world, at the same moment, heading in the same direction for the same reason. It doesn't matter what we think our reasons are. There's a greater purpose at work, and we serve it together. Whether we know it or not, we may take the steps, but the Lord of Light, and then the Hound interrupts, and he's like, <laughs> fuck's sake. We're coming with you regardless. Let's roll. This is stupid. Less talky, more fighty. And finally, we get the incredible scene of the screwed up click, as we refer to them affectionately, uh, comprised of John, Tormund, Jorah, the Hound, Beric Dondarrion, Thoros of Mir, Gendry, and several extras so that they have people to kill off. They're walking out through the gates of Eastwatch to face whatever waits on the other side of the wall in an attempt to steal a zombie white and bring him to King's Landing in a box or on a leash, I don't know, to convince Queen Cersei that the army of the dead is real. Roll credits. The plan is dumb. It's a bit hokey. But it was. It, it, it's fun to get these guys together. I'll give them that. Admittedly, the result is tight. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's... Next episode is badass. This episode 
I don't think you could argue wasn't good. I, I mean, thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. It's got holes in it, sure. Is it jumpy? Sure. Are there some stupid fucking things that really make you shake your head and wonder why they didn't take more time to figure out a more reasonable way to go about? Sure. But, I don't know. It's the greatest television show ever made. At this point, I really just don't give a fuck. They yeah, and, just, I, and I think they just wanted to get these crews together partying. You right. Know? Which we are all for, obviously. Slaying some, slaying some baddies. Yeah. Slaying some whites. Some white walkers. Which is the same. It's the same. Honestly, what I was so some excited. Blue, some blue-eyed goonies. What I was so excited for in season seven was figure, seeing how all these characters that we'd never seen interact would interact. Mm. Uh, we're going to get more of that in season eight, obviously, with mixed in characters that have met each other but have not interacted in fucking eight seasons like mm. Jamie and Bran as, a, as the best example, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun. But yeah, all in all, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I could not remember if Eastwatch was the one, because it's, it's, it's called Eastwatch, but we spent the last five minutes of the episode mm-hmm, there. The mm-hmm. rest of the time, we're not there. Uh, I, could, I, I was like, holy shit, are we already at the one where like I thought other crazy stuff was going to mm-hmm. happen? So I was psyched that it didn't, and that I had some more time. We will be back, not next week, okay? Because Christmas, right? We will not be back next week. The following week after that, we will be back. That gives you two full weeks to watch the sixth and penultimate episode of season seven titled Beyond the Wall, written by Benioff and Weiss and directed by Alan Taylor. See how these, these white guy names just stand? Alan Taylor, what was the dude from the day's name? Da- Dave Hill? Rick Balters. Oh, Matt. Oh, Dave Hill. Dave Hill, yeah. Yeah. Rick Balters is what Jared calls me. That's not a writer. <laughs> um, anyway, two more left. Okay, Beyond the Wall, two weeks from now. It also gives you two weeks to recruit, tell your friends, your family, everybody you know that loves Game of Thrones, tell them about the show, tell them to hop on with us. Uh, If you're going to listen to a podcast as your first one ever, Beyond the Wall is not a bad option. It's a very entertaining one. Follow this podcast on Instagram, at Oysters, Clams, Cockles. We are on Twitter, at Clams and Cockles. You can like us on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Follow me, Ross Bolin, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N, on all three of those, at W-R-Bolin. I also do another show, another podcast called the Ross Bolin Podcast, which is available wherever you're listening to this one, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. Uh, It's a humor and comedy show mixed in with a lot of serious life talk, and really, it's just it's just me talking about whatever I want to talk about. So go check out the Ross Boland podcast if you're looking for another show. Barrett, where can uh, the Clam Fam follow you on social media and hear more from you? Uh, personal accounts, at Barrett Dudley, Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, if you've not given my other podcast a listen, it is back. It comes out on Wednesdays. You can find it again on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or SoundCloud if you nasty. What's it it's called? It's called Club Cool. And you can follow that podcast on Instagram as well, at Club Cool Pod. Fuck yeah. Uh, hotline, 86643-CLAMS. Again, one other favor I would ask of you, Clam Fam, if you are still listening, rate and review, specifically on Apple Podcasts. I know a lot of you listen on Spotify. I know a lot of you listen on SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever else the name of these podcast apps are. There's a million different options. That's great. Listen wherever you want. I don't care. But if you're going to rate and review, and you should, please do so on Apple Podcasts. That's the place where... Uh, your ratings and your reviews help us to move up the charts, get more exposure, grow the show, potentially get bigger guests, better studio, all the different things that you need to make a show better and bigger uh, by rating and reviewing. So please go to Apple Podcasts, five-star rating, two or three sentences about why you love the show, and we will be back. Peace.